Welcome to the Budget-Minded Traveler Podcast, your source for the tips and tactics that will inspire and equip you to travel the world. And the best part? It won't break your bank. And now, the Budget-Minded Traveler herself and your host, Jackie LaLainen. Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to episode 39 of the Budget-Minded Traveler Podcast. I'm going to start today's show off with an awesome announcement. Guess what? Remember when I was asking for your nominations for the podcast awards? Well, we made it. This very podcast is up for best travel podcast at this year's podcast awards, which is huge. So first of all, those of you who did nominate me, thank you so much. None of this would be possible without you. And second of all, voting is live. So yes, the fun is just beginning because we made it. We're in the top 10 and now voting, we, we are in the voting period. It started on March 3rd. It goes for two weeks and I'm going to tell you how it works. I actually created a video to kind of explain the podcast awards for you. So head on over either to my YouTube channel or my Facebook page at facebook.com slash the budget minded traveler. You're going to want to follow Facebook or subscribe to YouTube for the next couple of weeks anyway, because I'm going to be posting random videos to help remind everybody to vote for me every single day, because that's what it's going to take. We are up against, and I don't really want to say against, I guess we're all kind of in it for the same thing. And it's, it's really an incredible group that I'm with. And I'm I'm super honored anyway. Um, I feel like I've already won. But with that said, there's still a voting period that we get to be part of. And so if you head on over to podcastawards.com and you scroll all the way down, you'll see the travel category and you can go ahead and submit your vote. You can only vote once per day no cheating. And that's the best way that you're going to be able to help the Budget Minded Traveler podcast in this entire adventure that we're having here. So the podcast awards, um, the event is actually going to be held Tuesday, April 14th at the New Media Expo conference in Las Vegas, which I will be attending. So I will let you know what happens then. Um, But for now, please vote for me. And thank you so much in advance. Please share with your friends and, you know, let's do this. So just wanted to get that quick announcement in there. Thank you guys so much for all of your support. This is super awesome. So thanks for listening to that announcement right at the front of the show here. And uh, we'll get going with the rest of it because I have an awesome interview for you today. You know, in all of my endeavors online, I I get a lot of questions from a lot of you guys who listen or who read the blog. Um, You email me or, you know, send me Facebook messages. I get a lot of questions about traveling when you're older. And what I mean by older is basically older than me. People are saying, you know, I know that you're, you know, 20s and 30s. And what about the rest of us? And I am so, so, so excited about today's episode in particular, because the interview today is with Chris and Tom from Travel Past 50. And if you can kind of put that together, what that means is for people who are over the age of 50, literally, they have a blog at travelpast50.com. And they left their jobs in 2010. We're going to hear their story here in just a minute. But they've basically been traveling nonstop since then. And what I'm particularly excited about is that they are full of advice from experience that's happening right now. You know, I mean, they're they're telling stories about things that they did last week that saved them money or whatever it is, you know, everything that's relevant right now as they're on the road traveling. And so today is especially relevant to anyone who is over the age of well, essentially not in their 20s. You're going to hear about this, but um, possibly in retirement age and wanting to travel again or for the first time or whatever it is, they are here to tell their story and share advice for anybody looking to do it as well. And the other cool thing about this interview is that we also did it on video. So, you know, a few episodes back, I believe it was episode 35 with Paula from Yahoo Travel, we did a video interview. And so you can see kind of the teaser from that episode. There's also one from this episode. It's not the whole inter- I mean it's not the whole interview. I'm not going to make you watch it for an hour, you know, but this one is about 7 minutes long and I really really highly recommend that you watch it because 
I think it really helps to be able to see who the people are talking. And I mean, these guys are hilarious anyway. And, you know, we're laughing. And so it's it's funny. And the video is online already. So I'm going to link to it on the show notes page. If you haven't seen it yet, go watch it. It's at thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash 39. It's also on my YouTube channel if you subscribe to me on YouTube. But anyway, on that note, you will hear uh, maybe some random things that are going on because we can see each other. So same same little disclaimer as before. Since the video is rolling, we can see each other during the interview. And so there might be some comments about that. And there's actually kind of a bonus scene, which... Uh, it's not, you're not going to hear it here. You're only going to see it in the video. So that's a fun little bonus. If you want to watch the video, you'll see that deleted scene. That's what I called it. (laughs) And one last thing on that note, please forgive the audio in a few places. You will notice that the signal gets, gets weak and comes back. Um, so keep in mind, they're coming to you from Egypt. This is what you're going to find out. They're in Egypt in this interview. And so the fact that we could do it at all with video kind of blows my mind. But anyway, please just bear with us for those little bits of audio that don't come through perfectly. Let's go ahead and get going with Tom and Chris. They are the former owners and publishers of various newspapers and magazines based in the Twin Cities of Minnesota. They have been on the road more or less nonstop since 2010. They've been to over 50 countries so far and are planning on knocking off another dozen or so just this year. And like I said, they blog about their travels at travelpast50.com. And you can also find them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest at Travel Pass 50. So let's welcome Chris and Tom. All right. I've got Chris and Tom on the line from actually, where are you guys right now? We're in Sharm El Sheikh, Egypt. And what are you doing there? Why are you in Egypt? We are in Egypt because we we have no place else to go. Uh, <laughs> now we're... <laughs> We're constant travelers, and we we found ourselves, we wanted to be um, circumnavigating the Mediterranean, and we really want to go to countries we have not been to before, and so we found ourselves in the eastern part of the Mediterranean, and here we are in Egypt. All right. Yeah, we've been out of the U.S. for the last six months, and it's been sort of a strange journey because we started in Greece went to England, then worked our way back through France, Switzerland, Scandinavia, or I'm sorry, France, Switzerland, Italy, Slovenia, back to Italy, Israel, Jordan, Cyprus, Malta, Egypt. So it's not like we have any sort of plan. We just sort of bounce around. There you have it. (laughs) I love it. So before we get too 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 deep into this travel world of yours at the moment, I really am interested in your backstory because I know this time you guys have been gone for six months, you said, but weren't yeah. you didn't you start traveling in two thousand ten? That's correct. So uh, what what how, like where did that come from? What was your life like before? What do you guys do? Well, Tell me a little bit about that. We were the founders of the so-called alternative weekly newspaper in Minneapolis called City Pages. And uh, we sold that actually to the Village Voice in 1997. I may be going back further than you wanted to. But <laughs> okay. uh, we, uh, after doing that, we took some time off, did some traveling uh, not any extended stuff, nothing any more than a month, but, uh, then we had another magazine that kind of went for a few years. We got rid of that in 2008. We did some internet entrepreneurial kind of stuff, wrapped that up in 2010. And that's when we moved to Ecuador and, Stayed there for about nine months. And then uh, after deciding that we really didn't want to be in one place for that long anymore, we just started moving around. And we have spent, well, we've been to, since then, we've been to, well, we've been to 55 countries. So (laughs) uh, so we've bounced around quite a bit. So do you guys have kids? Yeah. We do. We have two adult children. and. Yeah, to summarize Tom's story, our 
our background was publishing. And it got to the point where our kids were, were on their own, postgraduate, and we were post-publishing. <laughs> you know, it, it, it was a combination of publishing going south and our being done with it. And yeah, so it was really a time when we felt like we could revert to our childhood, meaning our 20s, and, and just travel. And we did travel in our 20s, and we returned to that, and we felt like that was where we belonged. It, it, it is sort of a perfect amount of freedom and discovery. Mm-hmm. I am with you on that one. So yeah. you guys have Travel Past 50, which is a travel blog. Is it just a blog? It is just a blog. Okay. Um, and really, we when we started traveling five years ago, we each had our separate blogs. So Travel Past 50 is really only two years old. Two years old. Okay. When we decided, oh, this is stupid. We should really do what we're doing together mm-hmm. since we have worked and lived together all these years. So Travel Past 50 is the combined travel blog. Okay. Uh, we do a, a bit of freelance as well. Uh, but that's, yeah, it's focused on travelpast50.com. Okay. And am I allowed to ask how old you guys are? We're older than 50. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I wanted to, as soon as I turned 60, I wanted to call it Travel Past 40. And <laughs> Oh, I am. I'm 62 and Tom is 63. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. So you are trying to encourage other people, essentially not in their 20s, who want to experience travel again, no matter how old they are. Basically, that's your idea, right? Yeah. I mean, let me say that, I mean, we certainly, as Chris said, traveled in our 20s and I highly recommend it because you have more energy and fewer things to hold you back. I mean, when we got married quite a long time ago now, on our honeymoon, decided to quit our jobs and move to Spain, which we did. And, uh, you know, went over there without speaking Spanish and with no job or anything and just figured it out as we went and ended up being in Spain for a couple of years. Wow. And then we came back, we started our newspaper, but during that time we were running the newspaper for almost 20 years, you know, we did a lot of traveling as well. And we dragged our kids all over Europe, certainly, and all over the United States and Canada and (laughs) other things as well. So we've always sort of had the bug. And now that, you know, the kids are grown and they're both successful, uh, on their own, both have good jobs. You know, there's nothing holding us back. Yeah, we really, we have no, uh, we have fewer responsibilities now than we did when we were 20s, in our 20s. Yeah, That's a great I mean, we sold our house and everything in it, so yeah. we don't really own anything that we're not carrying around in our suitcases. Okay, so I was okay. going to ask you about that. You guys, you owned a house, but you do not now. You sold it? Correct. So you kind of just purged. You were like, kids are out the door. You're selling the house too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> gave the dog away. To our daughter. Wait, I, I first want to ask, how old are you? I'm 30. <laughs> okay. So it, at that age, we were accumulating things from our parents. I mean, my parents were passing away at that stage and we actually had children you acquire more. You go to Target and you buy a bunch of stuff. <laughs> and then your parents die and you get boxes of stuff. And that's what 30 is, you know, was like for me. And now we have oh. the opposite. We have children who are 30, mm-hmm. in, in, you know, around about 30. And they don't want any of our stuff, but we just... <laughs> But we don't need to take care of them anymore. So it's very, um, it's the flip side. It's liberating. Was it your reward at the end of that path for you guys? We look at it that way. Yeah, I don't know if I ever conceived of it as being a reward. Uh, We We miss our kids. Yeah, we do miss our kids. But 
you know, we talk to them all the time, <laughs> but they move around a lot too. I mean, this week alone, I mean, our son and his wife have been living in Colombia for the past month or so. And our daughter is in Mexico now. And, you know, they both travel a lot because they enjoy it as well. So, you know, I don't know if we infected them with the disease, but uh, they seem to yeah. enjoy it as well. I'm so sure. they understand. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure they're not holding that against you. <laughs> no. No. I'll, you know, they've had their moments of holding it against us, but overall, they understand. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you got to do what you got to do when the travel bug bites, you know? You figure it out. That is true. Yeah. yeah. So the big question now is, are you fully in retirement? Do you have, I mean, how did you save for this? Cause this is kind of a big deal that you've been outside of the U S for all this time. You're not working anymore. You know, would you be able to shed some light on the financial situation for everyone? Well, I guess you could say, I mean, we were lucky. I mean, we owned our own business. We sold the business. Uh, and that provided us with enough money that as long as we're not really stupid, we can probably live on it. Uh, but we... Those are two big ifs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we don't... I tell you, I mean, we had this big old house in Minneapolis, and we were paying a fortune in property taxes mm -hmm. and heating and what have you to keep this house up. And it's almost... I mean, it is. It's cheaper for us to be on the road than it was to own that house. I love that statement right there. And, and it's true. And, you know, we don't have, well, we have a, you know, a secondhand car, which is parked in my mother's uh, garage. And, you know, that doesn't cost us anything. And, you know, we, between we have us, no monthly bills. We have, yeah. We except don't, for health insurance. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. only thing we're, that's a fixed expense really is health insurance. And we spend almost no money on clothes or, you know, anything else. So, I mean, I, I own like, I think I've got like five shirts and five pairs of underwear and seven <laughs> pairs of socks. And that's, you know, that's my entire wardrobe. So you just don't and wear pants. <laughs> Well, only when I have to. That's why you're only seeing me from here. Out. Yeah. Okay, I've got I've got one pair of jeans and two pairs of cotton. There you go. Okay. Yeah. It's true, and people, um, we we were just leaving Malta, and and someone from Malta Tourism was in the airport doing an, uh, a little survey and asked us all these questions about how much we spent on hotel, on food, on this and that. And the last question was, how much did you spend on souvenirs? And we were like, nothing. <laughs> she said, what? You don't want to remember Malta? And we, we've taken photos. We have our photos. We have our notes. We have our memories. That's it. Yeah, but what am I going to buy? You know, <laughs> We don't carry anything. We don't want to buy anything. We've just gotten rid of a bunch of stuff. We have no impulse to buy. Yeah. I mean, we resist Stop. it whenever we do. Yeah. About the only thing that we have bought of any sort of permanent character in the past five years, we were art collectors, and I'll admit that. And that was like the only stuff we didn't sell from our house. Mm -hmm. And that is stored, what isn't hanging on our children's walls in their apartments. <laughs> but, you know, we... we have been known to buy art that we like and mm -hmm. send it home. And I love not, that though. Mm -hmm. And we, we and it ends up, you know, our son is in a small, you know, in a two bedroom apartment, but we he won't say where. Well, we won't say where because we don't <laughs> want him to get robbed. Or, but, but, you know, he's got walls full of art, which are oh, yeah. sort of out of character for, uh, you know, him and his wife, the young couple and, but so we did buy prints in Japan. Yeah, we bought a bunch of prints. But we in digress. Japan. Um, back to the question: What we did is we traded, and it is a trade-off. We traded the expense of having a home in um, Minneapolis is a 
fairly expensive city to live in, not like San Francisco or anything, but it's um, to own a home and to, to afford to heat it and to pay property taxes in Minneapolis is significant. We decided to trade that expense for traveling. And we could do that partly because we had traveled when we were much younger, before we owned property, before we had a business, before we had children. And it is a leap. It is diving off in the deep end, but not if you can trust that you can land someplace. <laughs> if, you, if you know that you can pick yourself up and get a job again, or you can, you know, if I, so we sold our house, so we sold our stuff. So what? <laughs> we can make ourselves a home again if we want to, when we want to. We don't want or need to do that right now. And, uh, you know, there's, I think it, it's a trade-off. I mean, so that's what we did. We just said, we don't want to spend our money here. We want to spend it on traveling. Mm-hmm. And now that you're five years in, yeah. What do you think about that decision? Oh, no looking back. I mean, absolutely the best thing that we we could have done. And I, you know, we've had this um, sort of fluctuating difference between us in our willingness to travel. Tom has always wanted to just shuck it all and go. <laughs> it, it took me a while to get there. But this was perfect timing, and I'm perfectly comfortable with it. I never thought that we would travel this long without any base. But the more we travel, the more I feel like I want to travel. There, the more I see, the more I want to see. It's just, it can be addicting. I, I have to, I have to say. I mean, yeah. Y- there is um, always a, a bit of the counter of, do I want a home base? Do I want a routine? But we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. Five years mm-hmm. into it, you know, we're just like, okay, let's keep going. This could all change if we ever had grandchildren, though. I think that, that will suck her right back into the. Oh, he says that because that's what <laughs> will suck him in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm still. But we're a ways from that, I think. Yeah, you can so. cross that bridge when you come to it, right? Yeah. So, how is it that you keep it cheap, though? I mean, I understand that it could be cheaper than you know the house expenses and all of that, living stateside. But you still have to get hotels and you know flights. Yeah. I mean, you're bouncing around a lot, and I'm speaking with my hands here. But that's yeah, that's. that's- <laughs> like covering up the camera but I mean that's that can be really expensive so how how is it that you're able to keep costs down well a couple of ways I mean I think for one thing is we have an ungodly number of points (laughs) you know flying and credit card points and what have you and we do uh, we spend I mean, everything we spend goes on a credit card, mm-hmm. all right? Mm-hmm. And so if you use the right cards, you're getting points every time you spend a dollar. Right. And right. then you can turn around and use that for hotels and flights. And, and that certainly doesn't pay for everything. Yeah. But we are, in ter- uh, let me say to that flying outside of the United States these days is quite a bit cheaper than flying within the United States. I mean, just to give you an example, we're right now on a five-leg trip from uh, Cyprus to Malta to this southern part of Egypt to Aswan, Egypt, to Luxor, Egypt, to Cairo, to Athens. That's our flight legs that we're on right now and that whole thing was only about four hundred dollars. Through what? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Where did you find this? Uh it it probably it took me a few hours of fussing around it to took, find it. It took the better part of the day. It took me the better part of the day to arrange all this, but it mostly ended up, you know, because we checked 
uh, scanner and kayak and chipmunk or hipmunk and the um, and we often end up booking on the airline sites themselves. Right. I mean, I booked this through Air Egypt. Okay. And you know, probably, and I said this on a Twitter chat with Expedia the other day, and Expedia liked it so much they retweeted it to a million followers of theirs. But one thing we've always done is we go someplace that is maybe as currently unpopular mm-hmm. uh, or off-season or both. Uh, We're always off-season. Yeah. Off I mean, season, yeah. I mean yeah. we go to Europe in the winter, and the hotels are cheaper, the flights are cheaper, I mean, you can fly all the way across Europe for, gosh, if you look hard enough for, you know, $100, $150. Yeah. And by the way, the non-U.S. airlines are way better than American airlines, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> if I could just for say. Cost? For cost? They're cheaper and they're better. Okay. Uh, I mean, we just flew from Jordan to Cyprus on Emirates, which is a great airline. And it was, no, I'm sorry, that was on Air Jordan. And it was $120. Wow, okay. And we flew from Jordan to, uh, or we flew rather from Cyprus to Malta on Emirates, and that was under $200 too. So, And this is not even booking in advance either. Yeah. But we also take flights that are at inconvenient times. I mean, we arrived here at 3 a.m., for example. Mm-hmm. And if you combine all those sorts of things, if you're willing to inconvenience yourself a little bit and fly at 6 a.m. or arrive at 3 a.m., you can end up saving hundreds of dollars doing that. I also want to say, too, that it certainly has been nice that the dollar has gotten quite a bit stronger, especially against the euro recently. Mm-hmm. And when we were in Europe last year, it was a dollar forty-five. Now it's a dollar twelve. Yeah, it's so amazing. <laughs> that's thirty percent right now. Yeah. yeah. But the other thing I said is I started saying what that comment on uh, coming to an unpopular place. I mean, we were just in Jordan, and we were staying in a five-star hotel in Amman, Jordan, with breakfast included in it. $60 a night mm-hmm. because guess what? There's not much tourism going on in the Middle East right now for right. Uh, obvious reasons. But uh, I think overall, if you look at our five years of traveling, the way that we've afforded it and the way I've talked, you know, what I've discovered from talking to other people in our situation who have sort of chucked it all and they're maybe living on a very strict budget, more strict than ours, that it becomes an issue of alternating how you travel. Can you rent for a while? Can you house it for a while? Mm -hmm. Can you be in a hotel for a while? Can you be a tourist for a while? Can you be a resident for a while? And that's really overall if you look at our entire five years of traveling how we've done it is we've just mixed it up mm-hmm. and we've done all of those things and appreciated all of them you know right now we're in a um we're in a resort and it's kind of weak this is the first time we've ever done this yeah don't judge us right now <laughs> but we're in a resort I, it's the first time i mean we're in our 60s we've never ever ever been in a place that has even an all-inclusive option. We're not doing the all-inclusive option, but this place has it. Yeah. And kind of frightening, it's a lot of Russians and a lot of uh, British people, and we're like, oh, this is interesting. I, I, I feel like I'm on a cruise ship, only there's no rocking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they put flowers in our room for God's sake. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> It is It is a combination. I think um, to travel extensively, if you, you know, th- there are ways of traveling cheaply if you just want to do a vacation. But if you want to make 
travel, a lifestyle, and just be on the road, the best way to make it affordable is to be willing to alternate scenarios. Stay in a hostel for a while, rent an apartment for a while, and then treat yourself to a hotel every now and then. Let me point out, I mean, one country that we spent six weeks in last year and has a reputation for being horribly expensive is Japan. Mm-hmm. And we actually did not find Japan to be expensive. But, you know, if you do your homework, I mean, we stayed a lot in these Japanese guest houses called Ryokans. And often in a Japanese hotel, you're talking about a room that is maybe about a foot wider than your bed. But these Ryokans were in big rooms, but they're, you know, tatami mats, you're sleeping on a futon, the bathroom's down the hall, but they have convenient locations, you get great service, you know, they're family-owned places, and, you know, you're staying in a big city, you're staying in Kyoto or some, something like that for 60 or $70 a night, which is not like a hostel, but it's very nice. But you have to do your homework. On the other hand, you know, in Tokyo, I think most Americans go there and they stay at the Hyatt or something like that, and they're paying 500 bucks a night. Yeah. And, you know, we're just not that kind of traveler. I want to say, I mean, every now and then we get into us. I tell you, we did Scandinavia last year, and there's no avoiding spending a lot of money in Scandinavia. Mm -hmm. It's... It's expensive, but uh, but we rushed through. But we rushed through. <laughs> yeah. Check that off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Done. But like I said, I mean, we don't necessarily go to the most expensive places you can go to either. Like I said, Jordan was was cheap. Egypt is cheap. Japan was less expensive than we thought it was going to be. Other places we've stayed that we know very well, like Italy and Spain, uh, we're able to find very reasonable accommodation there. Mm-hmm. And we're also experts at eating on the cheap. Mm. That's <laughs> so, the best. You find the yeah. best food when you eat on the cheap. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that's a big part of being living on the road is knowing how to... Get your breakfast for nothing <laughs> and eat only one other meal during the day to buy nuts or fruit or cheese to tide you over. Yeah, I mean, when we first traveled through Europe when we were in our 20s, we got really used to buying a, a baguette and a lump of cheese and a bottle of wine. Yes, and, that's the best. And guess what? We still do that. Yes. <laughs> I don't call it a lump of cheese. Oh, okay, well, all right. A, <laughs> what do you call it? A slab? Um, no, I call it <laughs> slice. A slice of cheese. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But it sounds like you guys are pretty good at, you know, putting in the effort and doing your homework about finding the cheap flights, finding the cheaper places. I mean, it does take effort, you know, and it does it, take time. Yeah, it, and you guys are doing that, which is what is making it. Affordable. Well, booking this, I mean, going from Jordan to Cyprus to Malta and three stops in Egypt and back to Athens was, I mean, that took me all day Mm -hmm. (laughs) to do that. All day to book. But, but, you know, also, it's just a matter of choosing places that are not, well, you know, we mix it up. That's the point. You mix it up because these are not places that are on the highest level of tourism these places are struggling right now with tourism jordan is struggling egypt is struggling israel is struggling not that they're declining in tourism they are building but they're um they're working at it and it's such um a struggle against today's current political news and headlines for these countries to really promote tourism and and that's a big interest of ours too i mean we're motivated by going to places that have a lot of history but we're motivated 
by going to places that are not necessarily at the top of the tourism market. They're places that are hoping, struggling, trying to regain their level of tourism. Yeah. And it's fascinating because it's, it's always changing. We got to Israel and Charlie Hebdo happened. We got to Jordan and there, there was the burning of the Jordanian airmen. And we, we, we've come here and there was just a big incident here with the Israelis. I mean, the, uh, I'm sorry, the Egyptians and the, um, well, they just had a, well, thing in Gaza. The, mm-hmm. No, I'm talking about the other. Well, yeah, all right, but that's... In Libya. But it's more fascinating, and it's more intriguing, and it's more attractive for us to visit here now when the people who are in the business of tourism want to engage us in a conversation. And we find that over and over and over again. People want to talk to us about visiting, and that's part of um, affordable travel as well, that you're willing to go places where there, there are questions. Let me talk about another thing that we do, I think, to make our travel more affordable is, I wouldn't say we concentrate on, but we certainly make a point of going to what I guess would be secondary tourism markets. I mean, if you go to Italy and you want to spend all of your money, you can go to Florence (laughs) or Milan or Rome, not so much. You can definitely find bargains in Rome. But we went to Trieste. We went to Verona. And those are both secondary markets that don't get a lot of tourism and yet are very well set up for tourism. And. I mean, I think we paid in Verona, again, with breakfast, we were paying something like 40 euros a night for a very nice hotel. And Trieste was also quite reasonable. Uh, We went to Ljubljana, Mm. uh, uh, Slovenia, and it was Christmas time. I mean, we were about the only tourists in the whole damn city. It was a great time to be there. The Christmas market was going on. We were at a four-star hotel in the middle of town for, I want to say it was like 60 euros or something. So, and I want to put in a a plug for another thing. And if you're American, this is a great deal, is buy a Eurail pass. I mean, which is something that's not available to Europeans. But as as an American, I mean, we went all over, uh, you know, for two months on the trains and it was like $800 mm-hmm. yeah. and that was first class. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So water bottle. What? <laughs> Another to save money. Oh, <laughs> drink tap water. No, you cannot drink. Well, tap you can't water. drink tap water here. But <laughs> I was going to say you can't drink it everywhere, but when you can bring your water bottle. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I have a couple of questions about all that stuff you guys just covered. Have you ever felt unsafe traveling anywhere in like the Middle East or any of those places you just mentioned? Because I think that that's probably going to be on a lot of people's minds. Well, you have to use your head. Let me tell you that in 1978, 79, we got shot at in Barcelona. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, but we accidentally sort of wandered into a demonstration. And that was back in the days when the Francoists were still running Spain for all practical purposes. And we got caught between the police and some demonstrators. So after having bullets hit the wall above your head, you know, after everything else, I guess you just get as you can. But have we felt unsafe? We haven't got, you know, we're not stupid. We're not going to walk into Tahir Square in Cairo next week and start taking pictures of the cops, Mm -hmm. which has gotten people in trouble. And we also make a point of talking to the people, talking to locals. What should we do? What should we not do? That's a great piece of advice. Yeah. I mean, we just spent the day with a couple of Egyptian guys, and they said, look, if you stay, what you have to understand is all of these 
danger zones that you might think of them are pretty isolated places. And if you don't go to Tahir Square, where all the demonstrations are going on in Cairo, you're not going to go. You're not going to get in trouble. If you don't wander into Iraq by mistake, you're probably not going to get kidnapped. Mm-hmm. And I mean, let me tell you. I mean, we were just in far eastern Jordan, very close to Iraq, and very close to Saudi Arabia, and we could. Uh, we passed the Jordanian uh, military school and we could hear them practicing artillery fire. And we also, you know, we were, I can't remember where we were, saw a couple of fighter jets come over very low. And these, you know, it was just a couple of fighter jockeys, you know, showing off their hot airplanes. But (laughs) you realize that yeah, this stuff goes on. Right. But if you're not stupid, you're probably not going to get caught in it. You know, I think um, part of what we do is try to explain to our families or our friends where we are in relation to where the news is. And that means we have to learn a lot more about the news than just like, oh, headlines, Israel, Jordan, Egypt, Syria, you know. Yeah. yeah. We do look into it further. Another thing we do is we do register with the State Department uh, when we think that we might be in politically sensitive areas. And the State Department will, I think it's called the STEP program or something, you just go to the State Department website and you just say, I'm going to be here. Um, I'm sure that people will think, oh, I don't want to let anybody in the State Department know where I am. I do want to let the State (laughs) Department know where I am if I'm in a politically uh, iffy area. And and they do, I mean, this we experienced when we were in Ecuador, uh, when there was a supposed coup. Uh, We've experienced this in the Middle East or wherever. They send out an email and say, oh, there's going to be a volcano going off or there's a demonstration uh, scheduled. And, you know, if you're wise, stay away from this. And they tell you what the neighborhood is. They say, Mm. you know, don't come near such and such a neighborhood on such and such a day because there's going to be a demonstration. And they will also let you know um, State Department employees are restricted now from going to XYZ area. I want to know that. Mm -hmm. Then it's it's my choice. If I want to go to Golan Heights in the north part of Israel, I can go there. They're not censoring me from doing that. They're not stopping me from doing that. But I know the restrictions they're putting on their own employees. So I think that's a great step to take. The other thing is that I would say to any women traveling solo or not solo, it doesn't matter. Talk to people, go to your hotel, go to your hostel, go to your fellow travelers and say, where can I walk? Where shouldn't I walk? Where can I go to get groceries? Where do I not want to go get groceries? And, and just those very, very essential questions of, existence, sleeping and eating. (laughs) Ask people where you should go and where you shouldn't go. Mm -hmm. And people are always willing to answer that question. People aren't always as willing to offer it if you don't ask. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And and so it's incumbent on a traveler to say, I want to do this, this, this. Is that okay in this area or not? And, and listen to the answer and take it seriously. And I would also add, not being a woman, I find it easier to go wherever I want to, especially in uh, Muslim countries. And, mm. and even in Israel, by the way, too, which I would say is every bit as discriminatory against women as any Arab country, <laughs> Orthodox Israel is anyway, uh, is be respectful of the culture that you're in. Yeah. 
Yeah. Don't barge around and say, I'm an American and I can do whatever I want. Well, you can't. No. And, uh, I mean, that goes for whether you're in a Muslim country. I mean, when we went into mosques in Turkey, Chris would cover her head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, it's not like, you know. Actually, we did that in, in Israel, too. And they yeah. were like, oh, you don't need to do that. Yeah, I do. Hmm. Okay. I feel I need to do that. Because I'm in your area, your mosque. I'm not in mine. I will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, the same goes for, you know, gosh, I don't know, everything, you know, eating in kosher restaurants, eating. Just, you know, do your research a little bit on cultural norms and little things that you can find out and that you can do will ingratiate yourself to your hosts. And we see all these other countries as our hosts. Right. I think, you know, the overall thing is, is don't show up to any other country and expect it to be like something you know or mm-hmm. expect it to be just like America, because believe me, it's not. And that's and, a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what would be the fun in coming here and... Yeah, <laughs> right. You know, getting a McDonald's. That's one thing we've never done is eaten at a McDonald's. Did you know, <laughs> McDonald's is better overseas. That's what I've... Absolutely. <laughs> That's what I hear. I yeah. actually, I take that back. I did eat at a Burger King in Costa Rica once when I was just dying of hunger. And yeah. It was the only place that was open. And it was actually really quite good because you know, it wasn't... Yeah, McDonald's does a cool thing too where they usually will try to add one thing from the local, a traditional yeah. dish like in Costa Rica, for example, you can get McPinto, which is gallo pinto, like their traditional oh, yeah. breakfast. Oh, that's um, great. Yeah. Thing, uh, speaking of McDonald's, that I love is you can count on Wi-Fi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> By the way. Starbucks was the only place that had Wi-Fi in Japan, for example. Yeah, speaking that's of, what we use Starbu- Starbucks for. Yeah, Starbucks, you know, saves you a lot. Um, we just, after... Um, let's say three or four years of travel switched to T-Mobile. T-Mobile. We now, because we change countries so often, it, the first couple of years, what we were doing is spending the first card. day, you know, going to the local phone company, getting a new SIM card, putting it in, spending that amount of money. And now with T-Mobile, we have every country that we've been to on this trip. Except. Except Cyprus? No, Cyprus it worked. It did not work in Georgia. Jordan. Jordan was the only country in this, I don't know, maybe 14 countries on this trip where we are able to get, um, you know, completely included data. data. Yeah. How much do you pay for that? Believe it or not, it's it's, uh, $50 a month for the two of us. Dude, I'm switching. (laughs) That sounds amazing. But I just want to warn you, though, the T-Mobile coverage in the United States oh, yeah, is not right. good. Right, right. The, so just stay out of the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't think yeah. T-Mobile exists in Montana, especially. So <laughs> we have slim pickings in the woods up here. Um, I wanted to ask you guys about hostels because I know you've stayed in them. And I know that some people want to know from you. If you feel old when you're at a hostel or, you know, do you, have you stayed in the dorms or do you just get the private rooms? Like, what do you think about that? Do you see other people over 50? You know, like, tell us about that. We, uh, in my opinion, the hostels serve a purpose when you're in certain countries and in certain countries, I don't bother. The great thing about hostels, no matter where you are, is that they're especially if you're traveling alone, there is a community. You get to the hostel, people are extremely helpful. You usually have a common kitchen or at least a common coffee pot. And that is the watering hole. That's where you learn where to go. That's where you learn the the lay of the land. Mm -hmm. And that is so valuable. That is much more information than you would ever get from any hotel. So the question is for us, and because we are over 50, (laughs) do you want to walk down the hall to the bathroom? (laughs) I mean, really, let's face it. 
And a lot of times we don't. Say that the last time that we spent, <laughs> is that too much information? No, that's what I want to know. Spent, I mean, any time in what I would call hostels, and they don't really have hostels in Japan. They have, like I said, these ryokans, which are more guest houses. I just say take a headlamp. Yeah, uh, you know, we did that, but that's a step up from a hostel. I think the, I mean, I am not quite as sanguine about hostels as Chris is. I mean, we certainly stayed in a lot of albergues and we walked the Camino de Santiago three and a half, four years ago. And then, you know, then you're staying in a, for the most part, a completely communal. It's not even a hostel. It's a dorm. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Oh, it's so great. You liked it? Did you sleep? but no, well, that's the other thing is, is first of all, Air you're in a dorm room with 24 people and at least six of them are going to be snoring. Ugh. And, uh, you know, a couple of them are going to be having sex. A couple of them are going to be talking on their phones. I mean, it's impossible and to sleep. And then John's going to be getting up and going to the bathroom. But mm-hmm. <laughs> let me just say that we spent 40 days walking the Camino and the last 10 of them, we said, screw this. We're staying in a private room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't blame and you. Enough is enough. Yeah. yeah. But, but, you know, it's also, it's just part of the deal. It's it, part it of the experience. Mm-hmm. It is yeah. part, you know, it depends. But I'll be honest, I, I you know, there used to be a whole I'm chain about getting a headlamp. Yeah. <laughs> You know, there used to be, I think, a lot more what used to be called elder hostels, hmm. which were probably a step up from the uh, kind of hostels that 20-somethings stay in. But I don't think those are as prevalent anymore. Hmm. I don't uh, think so. But actually, yeah, but that's a good point. Do you still see a lot of, you know, people your age traveling? Do you ever see Americans your age traveling? Uh, not where we've been lately. It's been a long time since we've seen any Americans. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, but yeah, I mean, you certainly run into them in Europe, but yeah. not so much in other places. And when we do run into Americans, I would have said that they generally tend to be, you know, your age, our kids' mm-hmm. age. Right. Uh, and I think that's great. Or if they're our age, they're in larger groups. Yeah. Okay. Tour say, groups. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing, I mean, it's, it's not a hostel, but again, it's a, a, a cheap alternative and a kind of a sharing deal is Airbnb. Right. Which yeah. we've certainly done. And depending where you are, that's not necessarily uh, that much cheaper than being in a hotel. Right. But it, it's a lot more friendly. I mean, one of the best things about doing the Airbnb stays is you're going to meet a native of wherever it is that you're staying. Yep. I mean, we just, we stayed at a place for a week in Florence just a couple of months ago. And the owner of the little apartment that we stayed in came and handed us a sheet and said, well, these are all the restaurants that are in the neighborhood. And here's where you can do your laundry. And here's where the grocery store is. Yeah. And this place has a 12 euro menu of the day. And nice. these guys have really good coffee, and the coffee is only a euro and a quarter. And you know, you're not going to get that from the hotel. No, you won't. That's a great. That's a great option too. I mean, I've looked at Airbnbs. I guess one time that we stayed in one, it was more like just a boutique hotel, and that's where they advertised. And the owners were there along with a bunch of other guests. Um, and another mm-hmm. time we were looking into it there wasn't going to be anyone there. She was gone and like rent out her place. This was in Athens, which is extremely expensive city for lodging. Um, But it's a great idea to look for the places where the people actually live so that you can meet them. I think that's a great option for people who don't want to stay in hostels and still want to plug into the local community. You know, and that is, that's an interesting point too, because Airbnb has more recently divided its search engine so that you can select whether you want the owner to be there or if you want uh-huh. to be independent. And so I, you know, I, I think it's a wonderful approach for anyone who wants to 
feel more integrated in the area. Yeah. But let me, I mean, I, we haven't mentioned this. It seems like common sense to me, but Airbnb, Hotels.com, Booking.com, whatever you're booking through, take the time to read the reviews Yeah. by actual users. And I, uh, I can't emphasize that enough. And also, you know, throw out, you can tell that some of them are just utter crap. And you can toss those out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's like the old statistics game. You throw out the bottom 10% and the top 10% and read the middle stuff about what people have to say about yeah, it. Right. And right. that's where you can get a really good idea of what you're really getting yourself into. Well, the other thing, too, is that um, as far as accommodations, is the first year when we were in South America, we realized that we could negotiate and you know that there is more power in the buyer than most buyers realize so if you're going to uh, at that time airbnb wasn't that well known we were looking at, even at vrbo the vacation rental by owner website which tends to be bigger properties not good for two people or one person but we realized hey these places have off season too <laughs> Mm-hmm. We'll email. We looked at Craigslist. Craigslist is all over the world. We found an apartment for three months in Santiago, Chile, through Craigslist. That owner happened to also advertise on um, VRBO. But the the point was that we could say, "Hey, we're not staying for a week or two weeks or even a month. We want to be here for two months, three months." Uh, what what is the rate that mm-hmm. we can have for three months? And we, that, we ended that up served us about, very well. We yeah. ended up paying about yeah. 65% of her original yeah. asking nice. price. Mm-hmm. That, that's the best advice for affordable accommodations that I could offer is the rate is not the rate. The rate is a point for negotiation. <laughs> hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if you're extending your stay, I yeah. think that's yeah. absolutely yeah. true. That's great advice. So we have been going for literally almost an hour already. I feel like I could talk to you guys all day. <laughs> but so I have a couple more specific questions that I that I really wanted to ask you that I think that you have probably the best unique story behind you to be able to answer these. Where would you is, is there anywhere in particular that you would recommend for maybe first time travelers over 50 or people who haven't traveled since their twenties, you know, and they're thinking about doing it again, just like you guys, where would you send them to get them back into the groove and Can maybe not too expensive to Europe, England, <laughs> England, well, <laughs> where they speak English. <laughs> well, I mean, there is that it depends so much. I mean, I, there are travelers and there are travelers and some people are only comfortable where they can speak the language. The places we've most recently visited always seem to be the best places. Mm-hmm. Everywhere we go, we think, could we live here? Could we live here? Mm-hmm. Or could we recommend this? And just recently, it's very interesting because Malta, we just came from Malta to Egypt. Malta is basically English speaking. Malta is a a country with so few people who speak, I mean, Maltese is a country of, is a language of so few people that they have to speak English. So you go to Malta and you will find English spoken. You go to uh, Ecuador and you'll find a dollar. You go in, you know, there's that comfort zone. We, on the other hand, don't particularly like being in a place where there are a lot of expats. So what are you looking for? Are you looking for a comfort zone where there are expats or are you looking for a place where there is a dollar so you can figure out the currency? Or are you looking for a place where the language is spoken? I mean, those are the first questions I think one should ask themselves mm-hmm. if you're going to chuck it all and go live someplace else. In my opinion, the best advice would be to travel and just pretend. Pretend that you're going to live there. And what do you find? Rent a place. What do you find? Don't just throw yourself in and say, I'm going to live here now because I'm retiring. But go visit for an extended time and say, can I deal with this? Mm -hmm. And that could be South America. 
Caribbean, Europe, and like I say, you know, Cyprus. I'm just going to contradict everything Chris just said. <laughs> okay, I think, fine. Uh, I think that, you know, to answer your question, you have to ask yourself, what are you trying to get out of this? There, I mean, we, as we just said, you know, this is the first time we've ever in our lives stayed at a resort, which is not exactly true. We actually went to the Cayman Islands when we were in our probably early 30s with a, a, a couple friends of ours. But uh, are you going for <laughs> relaxation? Are you going to lie on a beach? Are you going to hike in the mountains? What are you going to do? Or are you interested in going to see history or culture or something? And I mean, I think my first trip outside of the United States, other than to Mexico and Canada, was to London. Mm-hmm. And I think that, believe it or not, I mean, first of all, I think London is, the, you know, certainly in the top three greatest cities of the world, certainly that I've been in. And, you know, maybe that's a good place to dip your toe in, mm-hmm. someplace like that, if, right. if that's what you're interested in. Mm-hmm. And I would say, you know, for the first time tourist, you know, London, Paris, Rome are all cities that are set up for tourism. Mm-hmm. I mean, they expect people there that don't speak their language. I would also add Madrid and Barcelona to those, by the way. And you can pretty much go there and immerse yourself in a different culture, but yet not have to worry can I get along? Because you can. Right. It's not hard. Yeah. You can always find somebody who can answer your questions. As opposed to Japan, for example, where you're just trying to read a street sign and it's in Japanese and right. you've got no chance. <laughs> Actually, that's a good point. Anywhere where the, the alphabet is different is probably not a good first choice. The alphabet. Yes. Yeah. That's so. very, very true. Yeah. 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 That's good. I mean, I mean really, I, I think there are a lot of places in Europe that could fit that first bill, you know. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Right. And, you know, that probably goes for Mexico as well, I suppose. And certainly Canada. We like Canada a lot. Yeah, we overlook and, Canada all the time. Canada's awesome. Yes. <laughs> yes. Canada's awesome. So is South America and Central America. And Europe yeah. and Asia and, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Africa. <laughs> okay. Oh, we're not in Africa yet, but yeah. But I would, uh, I mean, honestly, I think for the novice <laughs> American tourist who is interested in the sorts of stuff that we're interested in, which is arts and culture and history, you know, it's hard to beat Europe. <laughs> yeah. No kidding, I love Europe. I love love Europe. All right, what advice would you give to other people over fifty considering traveling, whether it's the first time or not? Don't tell your kids where you're going. Don't tell your kids. Why? <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, <laughs> tell the State Department, but not your kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's Actually, it. we always tell our kids where we are. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, pack light. Pack light. Yeah. Good one. Absolutely. Yeah. I you, mean, know, you know. Guess what? You don't need to bring... I mean, pack light is really good advice. You should be able to travel for several weeks out of one roller bag. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. guess what? Americans, I think a lot of them who haven't traveled, think that the rest, you know, as soon as they set foot outside the United States, I don't know what, that they think that they don't have toothbrushes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you can buy anything anywhere. Yep. Yeah. Don't haul along backup supplies. Yeah. You don't need backup supplies. Yeah, you can buy toothpaste almost everywhere. Do you guys use rolly <laughs> suitcases or do you do you use backpacks? Uh, well, it depends on the kind of travel, traveling we're doing. We have we carry each a backpack and a roller bag. Okay. But my backpack is all full of my camera crap. It's right, not okay. A backpack. Yeah. My backpack is my office. It's my electronics and um, yeah see i've got way i've got 13 kilos of cameras oh my goodness and mm-hmm. uh, this is why she's the one who's always in the pictures <laughs> i'm seeing yes <laughs> oh god 
Is that the truth or what? Yeah. I mean, I, counting my phone, have four Maybe. cameras, I should start seven lenses, and, <laughs> you know... So one last question for you guys. This has been so awesome. Um, I am feeling super inspired and I can only imagine everyone else's too. But where can we find you? Where can people follow you? Because I'm sure they're going to want to read everything you write and look through your pictures. You guys are very inspiring. So where can we find we, you? We would love to have people read the blog at travelpast50.com, travelpast50.com. Mm-hmm. But they could find us on Facebook cool. or Twitter or Pinterest or Instagram. You're all over <laughs> you know, social media. Okay, great. But um, you know, honestly, you know, the only place that you do any writing and I, you know, we were both professional writers and, you know, all, in all modesty, you know, we write. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of the stuff, you know, some of the stuff we write is worth reading. <laughs> so I would say go to the blog. Okay. And yeah. uh, that's where you'll find, you know, the ultimate combination of our photos and our writing and our suggestions for travel and our. That's a big part of what we enjoy doing is not just visiting, but writing. Right. So. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. I cannot express how great yeah. this has been. And I wish you the best in your travels. Thanks for joining Thank me. You. Thank you so much. I want a microphone like that. <laughs> we'll get you one. Okay. All right. Thank you, guys. All right. Thank you so much. If you're hearing my voice right now, that means you stuck through to the end of the interview, which we are over an hour. And so I believe this is my longest interview yet. (laughs) But I hope you enjoyed it. I personally loved it. I want to be just like these guys when I grow up. So once again, I have a bunch of stuff on the show notes page for you guys, including the video. If you want to see what Chris and Tom look like, check that out. It's all at thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash 39. There are some tips there as well about some of the advice that they gave during the interview and some links to other pages that will be helpful for you in preparation if you're planning on doing any kind of travel like this. And don't forget to check out travelpast5050.com. I will also have the links to their social media pages if you guys want to see what they have going on Facebook and Instagram and the rest of them. So big shout out again to Chris and Tom. Thank you so much for joining us and for sharing all of this with us. It was really incredible. And you guys, if you still have questions regarding any of this, please continue this conversation in the comments and I will see what I can do to get in touch with them to get them answered because I know that this is just, they just have a wealth of information regarding this specific kind of niche. And so please feel free to keep the conversation going there. And one more quick reminder to please go to podcastawards.com and vote for the Budget Minded Traveler podcast every day for the next two weeks. And you can go to facebook.com slash the Budget Minded Traveler or subscribe to my YouTube channel to make sure that you're getting the cool videos that I'm going to be using to remind everybody to vote. So thank you so much for that. No matter the outcome, this is going to be a super fun adventure. So thanks so much again, you guys. That's it for today. And we'll talk to you next time. (music) 